Our series has been recharging, getting back to full when life leaves you feeling uh, uh, drained. And that happens to all of us, right? We get drained in life and we want to recharge. So ultimately what we want to do in this series is get ourselves healthy enough to be there for the people and things we care about the most because we can preach and we do preach all the time about purpose and mission and serving and I, I love that. That's a passion point for me. Taking this life we've been given and doing good with it. And we hear that all the time. But you can't do that from a place of empty. You have to be able to recharge. So we've talked about that for a few weeks now. Recharging physically, recharging mentally, recharging spiritually. And uh, we're going to talk some, we have, we have a couple more weeks to go. Uh, um, we have one more topic after this week and then we're going to come back after that the following week and tell a, an amazing Bible story, one of my personal favorites that kind of, you'll enjoy it. It's going to be a tie-in for all of this. Anyhow, but um, for today, um, I, I've said all along that these ideas, they all interrelate, don't they? Like all of it interrelates. You can't divorce them from each other. If you're physically drained, you're going to probably be emotionally suffering. If you're mentally suffering, you're probably physically suffering. If you're spiritually, it's going to affect your relationships, vice versa. So all of it goes together, and um, uh, we've talked about many things. But um, oftentimes, when we think of recharging, we think of recharging personally. Like, I'm going to personally recharge. But I want to talk today about how it's important to recharge relationally. Relationally. Because here's the thing about life. We are not in this alone. We're just not. And uh, we, are, we all do life. And it we all need other people. It's just it's part of who we are. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment here. So I'll probably set this up redundantly, but I want to say I know that some of us might be saying, well, Ar Arlen, I don't need people because I'm an introvert. But I learned something the last uh, many years of ministering, and that is this, that my introverts and my extroverts both need people. They just need them in different dosages and for different reasons, right? Like, uh, um, that's just the difference. And I, look, I, I live in a house of, of a mixture of both. My, uh, I was always an extrovert uh, most of my life. Michelle was always an introvert. Interestingly for us two, I don't know if it's, if it's ministry that has pulled her more out of her introverted self and pushed me a little away from my extroverted self, or if it's just being married and finding the middle. But we've kind of, kind of moved away from the edges of that over time. But my kids, uh, so you know my, most of my kids, my uh, Jessica, who's getting married really soon here, and then Lindsay, who's um, in her play here today, um, they're opposites. Jessica is um, an extrovert by all, by all imaginations. And uh, she's never been a, Jessica, my Jessica, when she was growing up, the best way to discipline her if she was in trouble was to make her go to her room and be alone. Like if I were to, if I were to say to Jessica, Jessica, you pick, a, you, you pick a punishment. You can either be tasered, and I'm just joking about that. We didn't literally, I'm just making, I'm making a point, so don't read into that. That'll go viral. Uh, now if you, you could be tasered or go to your room alone for 30 minutes, she'd be like, oh man, just taser, just drop me now, it's fine. I just do not, do not send me alone for 30 minutes. I mean, I'm serious about that. That was like the wailing and gnashing of teeth for her. There's nothing more severe in life than to keep her away from, uh, uh, alone for a few minutes to, to think about things. Now, now, Lindsay, if I threatened her with that, she'd be like, see ya. I lock herself behind the door, you know, the deadbolt, and five days later, we're knocking on her door, hey, your punishment's over. But anyhow, everyone's different, right? And so she's an introvert. But here's what I've learned is that they both have friend circles and they both need them. Now, for Jessica, she gets charged by being with people. 
It charges her up. I'm the same way. That's how I can relate to that. I, I, I could be like stuck in the mundane work and I'm like, ugh, get around some people and I, I hear their story and I'm connecting with them and I feel better. But for an introvert like Michelle or Lindsay, they like to have people, but Lindsay's the one who will call me from a, a friend's get-together and say, can you get me home a little early? Um, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm peopled out. I'm just peopled out. Never have heard those words from Jessica's mouth in my entire life. But Lindsay, she gets peopled out. She just needs to go away and be alone, you know. And so we're just different, right? And now my point is, is that it doesn't matter if you're an introvert or an extrovert. People might charge you or people might, you might need to charge away from them. But in the end, is an element where we all need people still. So don't think this is a personality thing. We still need them in our lives. I watched a lot of introverts suffer during the COVID lockdowns. You thought they would have been in, in, in hog heaven. And maybe to some degree they were, but sometimes they were like, wait a minute, what is this, you know? Because we all need some connection points. Relationships matter. So I'm going to give you a quick, few quick statements to get us going, then get really practical for a little while. First of all, philosophical statements. I've kind of already made them, but let me put them on the screen. Number one, you need to have relationships. You need to have relationships. We all do. They're important. You need to have them no matter who you are. Next, you need to have healthy relationships because we all know something about relationships. If we have them and they're not healthy, that's what drains us. If you're going through an unhealthy relationship right now, very close to you, if you and, it's, and it's not going well, or it's a good, maybe it's a spouse, or maybe it's kids or parents, or maybe it's a good friend, a close friend, or some people you work with, and it's just it's a bad relationship, and you're just rustling through that, you're probably drained. So the importance of relationships is, is uh, further emphasized through the importance of healthy relationships. And, and so next, I want to say this. All relationships must be nurtured to stay healthy. They don't stay healthy on their own. They will we'll cycle through them. They'll burn out. They'll be gone unless they're nurtured. And that takes work. But it, here's the thing. It's, this is why this topic is different than the other topics. Because we're talking about how you can recharge physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally. And in relationships, it's not just about receiving like, you think about receiving something to be recharged. But in relationships, it's about giving and receiving. And both of those parts go together for you to be recharged. Because they must be nurtured in order to stay healthy. And them staying healthy is what's going to charge you or not drain you for, for sure. Next, let me say this. The closer the relationship, the more important it is to keep it healthy, Right? Like the closer that relationship is, you've got to have those ones better. We all have gone through bad moments with relationships with people. But if the closer ones are, are healthy, it's better than the other way around. So, for example, um, Michelle, I've been very blessed to have Michelle in my life. She has um, been, I have, I, I hate to, I always hate to say it. For, I hate to say what I'm about to say for two reasons, but I'll say it and I'll tell you why I hate to say it. I have got a very great marriage. I just have a great marriage. And the reason I hate to say that is because, number one, it feels like you're, you know me, I'm transparent, I'm not, I'm not saying things. I, I, I don't do that. If, if I didn't, I wouldn't say it. I just, it's been a bright spot for me. And so I can say it genuinely. And second of all, I hate to say it because if, you're, if, you're, if you've not had a good relationship in that area, I don't want to make, I'm not trying to make anyone feel, I understand how life can be hard. I just happen to have struck gold in that area. But here's the thing. All the years of pastoring, I've had a lot of ups and downs in ministry and with, and with people. And here's what I'll tell you. Um, mm. it, because things are going well at home for me, any other kind of problems around me are okay. If I'm going home and because it's good with Michelle, it's okay. I'm okay. You know? 
But I mean, I, I know this. I know from, from people's lives, maybe it's your story. If it's not going well at home, I don't care how good everything else is going. It's hard. The closer the relationship, the more important it is to keep healthy because if that one suffers, it drains everything. And so that it makes a big difference. Also, the closer the relationship, back to the last screen, the more important, the more investment is required to keep it healthy. The closer the relationship, the more investment is required in order to keep that relationship healthy. So you got to take time for your relationships, especially your closest ones. Last point before I get into the practical. Uh, the farther you're out your relationships are, the, you may need more to fill the gaps. Not everyone has the most intimate of relationships in their life. If you don't have the tight, tight ones, you need more because everyone can't be everything to you. And so our peripheral relationships have got to be more important to us as uh, they span further out from our in tight circle. And so... Um, I'm going to say more about that in just a moment here. But let me just come back to that first point. Uh, you need to have relationships. You need to have relationships. So there's a Bible verse at the very beginning when you open your Bibles, the story of, you know, creation and the first people. And God makes, you know, the story goes that God makes Adam. And then after a little while, he's got, you know, wildlife. And at some point, the Lord makes a statement in, in Genesis chapter 2. In verse 18, he says, The Lord God said it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So you know the story probably. Uh, you know, he says, It's not good that this guy is alone. Got to make him a helper. And of course, he makes him, him a wife. Now, that's a great story. I'm not teaching primarily on marriage today. Although I'm going to say some things to the married people as part of the sermon. But people oftentimes go here to talk about marriage. I want to make a different point. I think, this is me talking, the most important part of this statement here is the first part. It's not good for the man to be alone. And I don't think when I'm making that statement, it's a principle. We're going to see it elsewhere. It's a principle. It's not referring to man, like as in men. It's referring to mankind. In this case, there was a man in the story. That was a man who was alone. So, you know, uh, it's not good that this man is alone. But the principle, it's not good that mankind is alone, that humans are alone. We were not made to be alone to do it alone we're made for, for community. And that's the big principle, is that is we're, not, we're better together. Now, this is a marriage principle. And again, I'm going to get practical in a few minutes here. And I'm going to give some suggestions. And we're going to talk about marriage practical suggestions, uh, other things. If any relationship that we touch on, and we're going to touch about broadly just general relationships, if we get to a spot and you're like, Arlen, I feel condemned when we talk about that subject because... I had one and it failed, or I've never had one, so I feel bad because I never had one. Listen, we'll discuss all of that, but listen, first of all, if it comes to, to you've had rough goes at, at relationships in the past, the past is the past, man. There is zero point, there's no productivity in looking back. You know, guilt's a useless, useless tool here. It's just useless. It's about moving forward. It's all we can do. And so we're going to talk about moving forward today in our relationships. But it's not good that we're alone. So, if you, but it's not just marriage. Marriage is great. Marriage is the original relationship, right? And it's honestly the one that most people aspire to. Most people I know who aren't in a relationship aspire to find the right one someday if they can. So not everybody, but most. So it's, it's, a, it's an important relationship. I love it. But it's not, it's not the end-all, be-all. I want to make this very clear. Um, I've spent 24 years of pastoring and years before that counseling people and coaching people as a life coach all these years. And what I found through the years is that people will sit down and they'll struggle. Sometimes they'll sit in my, in my, on a Zoom call anymore or in, in my office, and they're single and they're lonely and they're struggling with, I need counsel because I'm lonely and, I don't, I don't, I'm, and that's hard. 
And I've also counseled people sitting across from me who are in a relationship and it's miserable. And I always tell the single ones, there are worse things in life than being single. <laughs> there are worse things in life. It's called being in a miserable marriage. And I'm not saying, I'm, not, that's the, I'm just saying you got to work on those things. Because earlier, it's not just relationships, it's healthy relationships. So sometimes we're, just, we're single because that's just the way the cards fall. Sometimes we choose to be. But, but there might be a close relationship, but it's just a relationship. What's interesting is that Jesus never got married. Like, I'm, all, I, I'm happily married. I love marriage. But Jesus never got married. The Apostle Paul never got married. In fact, here's what, you want to know what Paul said about marriage? It's funny, kind of funny. Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 8, he says, So I say to those who are not married and to the widows, it's better to, re, to stay unmarried, just as I am. You're like, Paul... You know, you're supposed to be like talking about God's stuff and your Old Testament, you know, it's not good that a man should be alone. He made him a wife. He's like, yeah, I think it's better to stay, stay unmarried like me. Like, what in the world? That was Paul's story. It's not a contradiction. It's not a contradiction going on here. Obviously, you understand that in the beginning when God first made mankind. He's say, you shouldn't be alone. I've got to give you somebody. It makes sense to give somebody that you can procreate with so that the human race can grow. That makes sense, right? Like the first one's got to be that. And then you have kids, there's got to be a lot of that. But as the world's grown and as people have grown and as the New Testament ethic unpacks, we've built relationships a lot of ways. And for some people, the closest relationships you have are other kinds of relationships. So it's not about marriage only, though marriage is a very important, intense, and, and, and important close one. But it's all relationships. They're important and they must be maintained healthily and nurtured. In fact, um, the bottom line is we just need others. We're better off with others. So I'm going to give you a, a, some verses from the book of Ecclesiastes. And if you've never read Ecclesiastes before, you should do it. And if you're a man who thinks you're anywhere in the vicinity, and I'm saying, it, girls, I'm not trying to leave you out of that. Forgive me. I'm just talking as a guy here. If you're, because I understand guys, and I've been through the years where you feel like you're going through a midlife crisis or something. If you're going through anything like that, read Ecclesiastes because it will dial your number, man. It's phenomenal. But somewhere in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, this topic is discussed. And it's about relationships in general, not just certain kinds of relationships. Here's what it says. Ecclesiastes 4, beginning with verse 9. Two people are better off than one. Two people. That's the, that's the bottom line. That's the takeaway right there. Two people are better off than one. Now what's going to happen next in the next few verses is the author is going to explain why two people are better off than one. He's going to give several reasons why we're better with others in our lives. Two people are better off than one. Reason one, why? For they can help each other succeed. Two people can help each other. They're going to have different strengths, different weaknesses. They're going to be able to sharpen and lift each other up. They can help each other succeed. Two people are better off than one. Next verse gives another reason. Verse 10, here's a, here's a, if one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But if someone who falls alone is in real trouble. So you can help each other succeed. If, if someone fails or falls, you can help them back up. He goes on, verse number 11. Likewise, another reason, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. Well, how can one be kept warm alone? We'll just keep moving on this one. But yes, um, verse 12, another reason. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. 
Three are even better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. The bottom line is this, is that we're made for community, we're made for relationships. And having those things in your life keep you sharp. We sharpen each other, and we're there for each other, and they can help. We're, we're made for relationship. And we need them in our lives. But as I said earlier, recharging relationally requires both giving and receiving. It's not one of those deals where you can just say, I need my friends to recharge me. Maybe at times you do, but you're not going to have any friends to recharge you if you're only receiving and not giving. So it's a kind of a, this is one of those areas where you, you give in order to get your own recharge. So I want to give you some advice today. This is the practical section. This has been a very practical series, I hope. We've been trying to give you some, some basis, some illustrations, some Bible, and then I try to get down and get practical for a few minutes. And what I want to do in the next few minutes is give you some more advice. And every week, if you've been here, I've told you to take one piece of advice from each sermon, just one of the several suggestions, and own it. Take it home and try to own it this week. Now, today might be a little different. I'm going to talk about different kinds of relationships. You might hear two or three things in different veins that you want to take home with you today. That's fine. Whether it's one or two or whatever, take something home with you tangibly and put it to practice in your life today as we get practical. And I'm going to begin relationally by talking about marriage because it is kind of the closest and most intentional relationship. And if you're in one, It'll help. If you're not in one, then we'll get to the other ideas in a minute. If you've had a failed one, we're not, the past is the past. We're talking about right now going forward. Relationally, couples, here's my advice to you for your relationships as couples. Connect daily, date weekly, vacation annually. Now, if, I'm going to unpack that, but if that seems trite to you, you don't understand. I've been life coaching for decades now, and I do this even on the side with business owners anymore these days, and I'm like, I can't tell you how many people of all walks of life struggle to do this and how many get helped if they just implement this silly, simple idea. It's a big, big deal. Connect daily, date weekly, vacation annually. So I'm going to talk about each of those things just a little bit here, but I'm going to start with number two, date weekly. If you're a married couple, I want to say this to you, date weekly. By the way, I'm going to this is extra important advice if you're raising children, if there are kids in your house. Because if, you have, if you're just living, if you're married and you have no kids yet, or they've grown and gone, it might be like all a date. Like we're just, you know, we're just home together, Netflix time, you know, I mean, we're always together, you know. But especially when there's little uh, joyful terrors running around in your life from birth through teenagers, um, you got, this is very important raising kids, right? So here, here's the thing. Uh, if you're a married couple especially, listen, date weekly. What does that mean? Let me tell you what that doesn't mean because I've been doing this a long time. This is, this is, a, this is a, a, a sensitive point with a lot of people when we get a talking individually. So what does date weekly mean? Date weekly, what it, what it doesn't mean is going out with your children. Dating, it's not a date, if you're taking them with you, okay, that's not, that's not, that's just called family time. And it's not even, don't, that's not, if you're doing that, fine. If you got all the money, you want to eat all the time and you're not, you're not going broke and you're paying your bills and you're saving away and you're investing in your future. You're just so rich you can eat out all the time raising kids. I don't know how you do that, but I understand. Good for you. We're a PB&J family at that stage of life here. Just here's some food, eat, you know. But hey, but if you're going to go out and you can do it with your family, that's fine. But date weekly means you go out without them. It doesn't have to be expensive, 
We've learned a long time ago, it doesn't have to be expensive. It could be a walk. It could be a lot of things. It could be, um, it could be, um, it could, it could be uh, a couple dollars here or there. But, but to get alone. And so he said, well, I can't leave the children. I can't leave the children. Uh, it doesn't get easier. He said, there's, there's just a little. They'll get older. It'll be harder. Just, just do it. Just take the plunge. Look, find somebody. If you've got family, tap into that. If you don't have family around, find some friends you trust. We have nobody we trust. Okay, that's a whole other problem. We've got to talk about that one here. Find some people in your life and find some people you trust, okay? But, but listen, date weekly. That means you send the kids. Don't take them with you. Leave them, I mean, find a, make a swap with some other young family. We can't afford a babysitter, but can you swap? We'll watch yours, you watch ours, and we'll do dates, you know? Let's, uh, lock them to the heater at home and put a bowl of food nearby so they can reach it. I don't care. Don't do that, okay? But date weekly, okay? Date weekly does not mean also, I'm going to poke at somebody else here, date weekly does not mean go out with your other friends. Look, if you have the margin and money in your life to go out multiple times, you can go out with your friends and eat a meal out to eat. That's great too. But if you're married, you need to go out just the two of you, okay? There are people in the other room eating too. It's because they're strangers, not because you brought them with you right? They're just date weekly. That's what you did when you were falling in love at some point. At some point, you're like, everyone leave us alone. We just want to be together, the two of us. You know, just the two of us to get some time together. And then at some point, you're like, I don't want to be alone with them. Bring someone with us, you know? And then you wonder why our relationships are suffering. We wonder why they suffer. No wonder they suffer. We don't enjoy that time alone that drew us together. So date weekly. So I'm too busy. If you're too busy, Cut something else out of your schedule. Sit down with me. I'll, I'll coach you up. We'll figure something out. Find some time to date your spouse. It doesn't have to be elaborate. It doesn't have to be expensive. It could be very cheap, but do something weekly. Date weekly. Vacation annually. I want to poke that one as well. That means, again, without the kids. So uh, the Picciarelli family was just back here. Uh, if you came into this service, they were the ones greeting at the doors, the two teenage sons and the mom and dad. They attended our earlier service, and they stayed to greet, and then they, they just left because they'd been here all morning. But after the first service, they, I was just talking to them about this because the two of them just took off to the, key, the Florida Keys. I uh, had a, a week, and the kids were up here. And I'm like, I'm like yes, good, good for you. Now, I think this is an important thing to do. Now, again, I love taking trips as a family. We've done this all, my kids could tell you, we've taken a lot of trips. And sometimes they're just tents and camping. Sometimes they're national parks. We've done whatever we could do through the years to take trips. And I'll say more about that later. But here's the thing. It's important that two of you, Get alone together, not without friends, without kids, and just be together. You say, well, what do we do? We kill each other. That's why you need to go be together. Because either you'll figure out what's wrong and get it better, or you'll kill each other, and then everyone, everything can go, go on from there. At least you'll know, you know. So by all means, go on that vacation annually with nobody else there. It's so important. Now, I say annually. If you do it twice a year, great. But I do say this. At least annually, at least two nights because you know and I know that when you go someplace up for overnight, by the time you check in and check out the next day, it's already over, man. you got to at least stay two nights. So go away, alone, date weekly, vacation annually, connect daily. Now, what does that mean? Connect daily means you just talk. And I can go a whole, I can give a whole talk on this one point right here. But just things like in the morning, just touch base and say, what are your plans for the day? If you're not doing that, if you're not saying, what are your plans for the day? And you're just kind of leaving without hardly saying a word to each other. You're missing a connection point. How are your plans? Say goodbye. You know, say good morning. Uh, when you get back, de debrief. But that's what Connecting Daily is all about. So for, I think what most couples should do is before the day is over, sit down and just talk. 
And so um, just talk about life, share their story, what's been going on with you, talk about whatever. And if I can give you some personal advice along those lines, it would be this. Take a walk, okay? Take a walk. I know that's like the shock, most shocking thing I, you, to hear me say, right? But take a walk. Uh, this is something that Michelle and I have, have learned to do. Uh, most nights of the week, we'll, we'll, most days of the week, when the weather's not horrible in the February, we like to get out and we have a three and a half mile circuit. It's about three, about three and a half miles from our house back through some neighborhoods. It takes us about one hour flat to do that walk at our, at our clip. And I'm going to tell you, it's been great for us. And you say, I don't have an hour. We'll find half an hour, do something, take a shorter walk or sit down. The reason I like the walk, besides the fact that, obviously I like to walk, the, the reason I like the walk is it's exercise. You're not eating a bunch of junk when you're walking. That'd be kind of weird. You brought your nachos with you, you know. So you're probably not eating bad. You're exercising. And you're not on your devices. It's so, it's so easy when you're trying to talk to somebody in your room and you get your phone there, your tablet there. And does, isn't it always fun when you're trying to talk to somebody and they're like, uh-huh. Uh, that's like, oh, that's the best. I love that. So take a walk. And, and for an hour, we get a chance just to, just to talk. Now, last night, we've been running really hard with wedding plans and some side work I've been doing, and it's insane. So we just, we did, it was late, got out of the show last night. We sat on the couch and talked for 45 minutes or so uh, just to catch up a little bit. But the point is, is connect daily. Connect with each other daily, t- uh, date weekly, and vacation annually. This is so important while raising kids. Now, I'm going to give you some. I'm going to give you a piece of advice that I was given, and I'm going to give it to you in two chunks. When I was a younger man and a younger pastor, I had a mentor who was kind of uh, served as a, a distant coach for me, without him knowing it, because he was just someone I looked up to. And he talked about um, about raising family and being married happily, and he gave some advice that has served Michelle and me well. And so he said that when they got married and they began to have children on the way, they wrote down two goals, two big goals for that stage of their life of raising kids as a couple. And they actually put them on a frame or something in their bedroom closet where their clothes were and the wall so that they would, no one else would see them, but they would see them often. And I'm going to give those to you at one now and one later because one pertains to marriage and one pertains to kids. But uh, it's a great big goal. A big goal would be this, to... Still enjoy spending time together once the children are grown. A lot of people get to that stage of life and they're like, they, they came together, they spent time, they got known each other, they got busy raising kids and working and they drifted and then the kids are gone and they're like, who are you? And it's, it's just time to go. And it happens all the time. That's, not, that's just that's life and if that's your story, you're not alone in that. But uh, and again, looking forward, if you're in a relationship now, you're raising kids now. To still enjoy being together once the kids are grown, you've got to make that a goal and make it intentional. And one of the best ways to do that is to connect daily, date weekly, travel annually. And there's other things, but that's just some advice about time together. Don't drift. Moms and dads, and not everyone's a mom and dad of young kids. Some of you don't have kids or your kids are already grown and gone. But if you're raising kids, I want to give you some quick pieces of advice as parents. First piece of advice is this. Prioritize time over toys. Prioritize time over toys. In other words, um, time together, trips, whatever it may be, time is more important than stuff. And I know sometimes it's easy to say I'm so busy you know, trying to build my career that I'm just going to throw a bunch of stuff at my child and hopefully that will appease them. It's not the same. Or you work really hard more than you have to so you can afford to buy them more toys because you didn't have them growing up. And I'm going to tell you right now, that's just that's the wrong play. It's the wrong play. 
Make time more important. We all know what it's like to get older and reminisce back in life. And most of us, when we reminisce backwards about our memories growing up or our time with family, we don't say, oh yeah, I remember that one toy I got at age of seven. We forget those things. It's like Christmas, you get the stuff and you're playing with the box by the, by the same afternoon, you know, who cares? And it's that way, we get stuff and we appreciate it at the time, but we forget about it, we gotta get new stuff. And the stuff doesn't last up here. But you know what lasts? Is when you're sitting back later in life saying, I remember that trip we took together. Remember that place we went together. Remember that game we used to play at the table together. Remember that thing we used to do. Time trumps toys every single time. So prioritize time and trips and time together over stuff. And mom and dad, one more piece of advice for you. Prioritize relationship over rules. And this is good advice, and most of you will agree, but if there's a, a real, you know, strung out person here saying, are you saying rules don't matter? Yes, I'm saying rules don't matter. Give them drugs, whatever they want. No, of course rules matter, right? We know that. Um, but here's the thing. There's always going to be rules, but parenting is kind of done in different stages. When they're really little, you're, those are the discipline years. And then you get the training years. Then you have the coaching years. And then there are adults, you have the friendship years. But somewhere along the lines, even when you're in discipline and training and you're in rules, you've got to make that relationship more important. I've watched parents get so mad about rules being broken that they insult their kids. You're stupid. You're worthless. I can't stand you. Wish you were never born. Or get out of my face. Or I'm not going to be with you because I'm mad at you. So just, ah. And I'm like, oh, what are we doing? And then they get older cut our adult kids out of our lives because we're not happy that they aren't clones of us. Moms and dads, if you're raising young kids, I'm going to tell you right now, big bad news break for you here. Your kids probably won't do everything in their adult life just the way you want them to because they're their own people. And so people get strung out and they sever the relationship over their disappointments. And I, I just want to say to us that just relationship matters more all the way through, even during the, the rules years, relationships matter more. Because at some point, all you have is relationship. At some point, there are no more rules. You can't make them anymore. All you can do. The only power you'll eventually have in their life is influence. And that comes from relationship. And if you blow up the relationship, you have nothing else to leverage. And again, this is not, whether it's about marriage or raising kids, this is not, I don't want anyone feeling bad if anything's been rough. Look, sometimes we do the right things and people don't play along well and they blow our, we did it right and they just made it hard. And that happens to all of us. Even if you got it wrong at some point along the way, it, all you can do is start where you are. Make relationship important now and do the best you can. It might be a long road forward. But, but start where you are and make this the more work. In other words, if, if you got an adult child and they just, you did it right and they messed your heart up, or you didn't always get it right. My best piece of advice to you is this. The, the philosophy still works. Stop being so irritated and poking at them every time you're with them about what they're not doing right or what annoys you or what they need to figure out. Just zip that. They're adults. They, got it. they understand. They've heard it all before. They know what you think. Just care about them. Just start caring. Start building a bridge back where one has been torn down, because it still works. Prioritize time over toys and relationships over rules. Because the other big goal, those two big goals, marriage one was to still enjoy spending time together once the kids are grown. The big goal as parents is for our children to still want to be together when they no longer have to be. That's the big goal. For our children to still want to be together when they no longer have to be, that they still want to come around. They still want to hang out. They still want to see us and each other. There's, there's, there's a health there. And that comes from not putting rules over relationship. Rules are important. Relationships are more important. God did that with you, by the way. 
while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Everything in the Bible from the Old Testament to the New Testament was God putting relationship over rules, and that's how we should operate in our life as well. Moving on. This is, I'm going to get to something broad to all of us, but I want to make this point here. Prioritize getting a coach or a mentor. We all need this. I, the older I get, the more I realize, that nearing 50 in a couple of years here, that even people who make a lot of money in business, they need coaching. A lot of them pay a lot of money for coaching because they know they need that. A lot of money. You know this because you do, you do this too. As a life coach, I've learned this. We all need coaching. We all need mentoring. No matter who you are, you ought to be looking to somebody and find. Now it could be anybody. It could be a, if you got the money, pay for a coach. That's wonderful. Um, if it's if it's um, if you, but you don't have to have a, a paid coach. I mean, you know, find a, a person, get into a, a, your church, find a small group, get a small group leader, and let them be a mentor. Um, find someone you look, look up to, someone who's successful in some area of life you want to be successful in and build a relationship and just and, and, and lean into them and say, can you keep me accountable or I want to ask you questions. Um, maybe it's um, just someone who's older than you. I can't tell you how valuable it's been for me as I've gotten older to ask people down the road a little further. I have people in my life who are further down the road and I'm like, tell me what is it going to be like there? Okay, my kids are getting ready to leave the nest. What am I going to experience? You've been there. What, would you, what did you learn the hard way and the easy way? Tell me. And, and have people that know, that know what we're going through, that can pray for us, check on us, call us out. We all need that. You need that. Maybe you, what you need first is a therapist. If you've got some trauma, go to a therapist and get help on a deeper level. But, but find at least a coach or a mentor, small group, experienced person, life, a successful person, whatever, and let them be a voice active in your life to help your journey. And then, flipping that around, as you gain life experience, seek to be a coach or a mentor to someone else. We've got to pass that along. And you might say, well, I have nothing to offer anybody, but you know that's not true. If you don't know it's true, you need to know it's not true. Every one of us has something to offer other people. We all do. All you have to do is, is believe in yourself enough to care. Believe in yourself enough to try and then care. People want to know how much you care before they care how much you know. If you'll take the time to care for people, you can be a, a, a mentor. And boy, those are invaluable. Coaches, I mean, even I don't, it doesn't matter how stable of a home life a child has, they still need other voices outside of their parents to speak into their life, right? By the way, mom and dad, mom and dad this is a rabbit trail, mom and dad, that's why you should never tear down the people your kids look up to out of jealousy or envy. I say that all. I heard someone, you know. I say that all the time, and you know, you listen to them instead of me. I said the same thing to you. Who cares? Never tear down out of insecurity other people who are good influences in your child's life, because at some point you might need them, and then you're all like, "Well, listen to them. If you want to listen to me, and they're going to be like, "Well, you told me that they're they're not God, so you know, don't don't tear that down." But here's the thing: even good kids need coaches, but sometimes kids don't have anybody else. They don't have a a parent at home, or they don't have a good one. And Steve, you know this as well as anybody. Sometimes you pour into kids who the only time you're doing something in their life, you're the only person in their life who, who shows a, a, a level of care. And it's so important that we do that. But not just young people, old people. If you're a married person, find a newlywed couple. If you're a raised kid, find someone who's still doing that. And just be there for them and just care. People want to know how much you care before they care how much you know. Just care. Stop and say, listen, what, what's going on? How can I pray for you? What can I bring you? Bring them a meal, do something. Just talk and listen to them. And along the way, you can offer a little, well, you know, that's great. That's tough. I'm praying for you. Hey, I went through that. Here's what I learned. Here's what I experienced. People, once they, they can know they can trust you, will lean in. 
Michelle, we reminded us last night more than once at the school, weren't we? People that we poured into years ago that they all go on and move on and graduate. And, and sometimes they come back years later, they hunt you down to tell you how they're doing and uh, things that you told them that they're still following. And you're like, man, that feels so good to know it made a difference. You can make a difference. You don't have to be gifted. You just have to care. And you have to believe that you can. So let's all, we need a coach. We need mentors in our lives. We should also give that to somebody else as time goes on. I told you every week of this series interlocks in some way because they all, all these areas of recharging meet together. One of the things that interconnects is something we said last week. Have you noticed that almost every week a verse about physically recharging also worked for mentally recharging and that one worked for the other one? These verses all overlap because they all cover all parts of recharging. Here's a verse we saw last week that we're going to look at again right now that talks about church, but it talks about the importance of having relationships in our life besides being alone. Hebrews 10 verse 24, it says, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Now that word one another there, I put that in bold, and there's a reason why. Because one another is kind of the New Testament ethic. When you read your New Testament, you'll find that this is kind of the whole marching order, one another. Like when Jesus was about to go to the cross and die, in his last moments with his disciples, he said, Guys, I'm giving you a brand new command. Which, would, which should have been heresy, by the way, unless he was God, which turns out he was, right? I'm giving you a brand new command. Here's your new, forget everything. Here's the one, you, here's where you go from now on. New command. Love one another as I have loved you. This is how people know you're my disciples, if you love one another. So Jesus gave the one another speech. And the rest of the New Testament builds our life patterns off of the one another concept. So we see it here. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and to good works. Verse 25, let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. As the world goes further along towards whatever, we should be making it a bigger priority spiritually, but also relationally to come together and, and encourage and motivate to acts of love, to good works. We need people we need people in our lives that know us, that, that, that notice when we're not there, that hold us accountable, that, that care and check on us and are honest with us. Bottom line is this, we need to learn how to one another one another. <laughs> the, the New Testament is full of one another. It's just like forgive one another, be kind to one another, honor one another, you know, uh, prefer one another. One, it's all these ethics. We need to learn how to one another one another. That's a good piece of advice for us all. Now, again, I said this earlier, giving and receiving is both important here. Giving this kind of care to others is, 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 is purposeful. When I give to others, when I, when I give it to others, it's purposeful. When I receive it from others, it's powerful. Both giving and receiving are forms of self-care. If you have self-care in your life, you have giving and you have receiving going on in your relationships. They're both part of self-care. They both will recharge you. Now, i got to be done. It's time to be done in a few minutes here. But I'm going to take the last couple minutes I have to speak into one last idea, and then we're going to pray. And that is this. A lot of my advice I've given you today focused around building time for each other, taking time for your spouse, taking time for your kids, relationship, taking time for coaching someone or being coached by someone, right? But I realize that we don't have time. I can spend four or five weeks talking about the difficulty of getting in a relationship and then finding out that you're spending time together, but you're not getting along with each other. 
That's why you stop going on that weekly date, right? Or that's why you stop doing whatever. And, but the, the problem is if we keep getting into relationships and they're difficult and so we blow them up or we leave, man, that's a bummer. Because they got to be healthy and they have to be nurtured. And so what do you do when it's difficult? I'm going to promise you one thing. When you get in a relationship with people, it will be difficult. And we're not looking backwards at past failures. We could, we could have done it right and someone else could have been a hot wreck and wrecked our story. But if we keep, if I keep, if you keep having difficult relationship upon difficult relationship upon difficult relationship, at some point we got to say, what part of this is me as well? It can't always be everybody else. And so where do I, and it could be a lot of them, but what part of it do I own? So I want to give you one piece of advice to try to cultivate a health in your relationships when you're spending time together and it's difficult. And that is the, the most common advice I give. I coined this years ago, and I believe it so to my soul. This is how it works for me and for you and for all of us. I should be more expecting of me and more accepting of you. That is one of the best things that's helped me as a husband, helped me as a dad, helped me as a pastor, helped me as a person. I should be more expecting of me and more accepting. What does that mean? What it means is this. We tend to do the opposite. We tend to be more accepting of us and more expecting of others. For example, if I mess up, if I do something wrong and someone's bothered, I'm like, well, give me a break. I've had a hard day. Life is tough. Okay, just give me a break. There's reasons that you need to accept my whatever I just did or said or whatever didn't do because I'm having a hard time accepting of me. But then if they mess up, we're like, well, you should know better. Well, you should do better than that. Well, why don't I don't, that's no excuse, Right? And that never lasts. It never works on any level. That will blow up that relationship from marriage on down. It will blow up every relationship. If I walk around expecting them to do right and I'm offended if they don't, and then I expect them to give grace to me and I'm offended if they don't because it's all about accepting me, expecting you. It doesn't work. We wouldn't word it that way. We wouldn't word it, but subconsciously a lot of us go into that space. We gotta flip it around and say, let me be more expecting of me and accepting of you. So I should know better. I should not let that be an excuse for my behavior. I should do what's right no matter what. And you, well, you had a rough day. You're under a lot of stress. Pobody's nerfect. I understand. See, if you flip it around, it works better. Now, you say, well, I'm not going to be someone's doormat or it's a one-way street. I know, I know. That's true. There's some bad people out there, and I, there's manipulative people. I know that. But a lot of times, that's just an excuse to say I shouldn't have to do this. A lot of times it's someone saying, I don't want to do, I don't want to go the extra mile. I've learned that for most relationships, if we go the extra mile, it works out. And if they're that toxic, you'll figure it out. And look, I'm all for cutting toxic people out of your life. That's, that's really a good idea. But a lot of times things get cut and we call people toxic because we, we blame them for everything that's partly us. And so before it has to go to that, ask ourselves, are we living by an ethos that says, let me expect more of myself because I can't control you. I can't make anyone do what I think is right for them. I can't control them, so I gotta give them grace. But I can control me. Me and God are gonna help me do better. I will own up to my shortcomings. I will apologize for mine, whether anyone else does or not. I will do what I'm supposed to do best I can, and I will, if I misstep, I'll, I'll make it right. And if someone else missteps, well, I'm gonna have grace and forgiveness. Now you say, well, I, I guess so, Arlen, but is there a Bible verse for this? I'm glad you asked. Yes. Um, my favorite verse about this subject is Ephesians 4, verse 32. In the previous verses, it says, don't be bitter, get past all the bitterness in your relationships. And then it says, instead, instead be kind to each other. 
tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Notice that phrase, be kind to each other. That means that I should go out and be kind even if I'm having a bad day. I should be kind even if I'm stressed. I should be kind even if it's difficult. I should be kind even if they're difficult. I should be kind because I should be kind. But what if they're not kind? What if they're not kind because they're having a bad day or because of whatever else is going on? Well, I should forgive one another. Be more expecting of me and accepting of you. So how can you do that? That's hard. The secret is the middle word, tender-hearted. And over and over again in life, we've learned that the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. And if we can figure out my heart is usually my worst enemy. When, I'm, when I can't give grace to other people, when I expect grace from them, but don't give grace to them, or you know, I'm expecting them to accept me, but I'm expecting them to be better, when I'm frustrated with people all the time, sometimes i got to sit down and say, God, where's my heart? Am I being proud? Am I being insecure? Am I, being, am I projecting other pains onto this current situation? Am I, am, I, am I guilty on any level of what's going on here? Being tender-hearted is the key. And if I can keep my heart tender, we can be kind to everyone and forgive others when they're not. I should be more expecting of me and more accepting of you. That's not going to fix every problem. Some people are just unfixable. But a lot of times we have to ask ourselves, am I doing that in my relationships? And if I am, I'm doing all I can do besides taking time to invest in the relationship. So be kind. And I don't even have time to go on. I'm gonna, I was going to talk about gratitude, how important gratitude is in relationships. But I'm out of time. So be kind. Being kind, forgiving, and grateful in relationships. Those things nurture and sustain relationships. And we all need relationships in our lives. And we need sustainable, healthy ones. So do those things. So, we're talking about recharge. We're almost done. We have to talk about the, uh, the heavy heart stuff, the heavy emotional loads we carry that drain us. We've got to tell a really cool Bible story before this thing is over, so we've got a couple weeks to go. But um, what I hope for today is that if you're in a relationship, you'll understand the importance of that relationship and recharging you comes from you giving to it and receiving from it. Both things matter. Now, I wonder who in this room would say, Arlen, I just need to go spend some time with somebody. Maybe it's my spouse. Maybe it's a friend. I just need to go out, but I just don't have the, maybe I, I need to make the time. I don't have the money, but I should probably go out to, and, and eat somebody. I could really use a chance to go out and eat with somebody pretty soon. That, that would be, that would help me so much. Who's in that boat right now, huh? Somebody in that boat right now? Anybody here? You're in that boat? Laura, you're in that boat? I got something for you then. This is a $25 gift card. It's not much, but to Frank's Barbecue in Cedar Lake. Have you been there yet? Oh, man, Frank's Barbecue. Um, okay, listen, I didn't give you all a card, but you should all go to Frank's. And I just skip all the sides, and I skip all the, I just get myself a half pound of brisket. Just the, ba- just the burnt ends is all I want. Just give me the tips. And, just, and a half pound, just a fork, and I'm going to be good to go. Man, I'll lie, that's good stuff right there. Brussels sprouts are awesome. Brussels sprouts are awesome. Those words have never come out of my mouth in my lifetime. But I'm glad you feel that way. All right. So, hey, let's recharge. Let's, let's pour into each other. And let's make sure our relationships are keeping us running optimally. Hopefully something helped you today. Let's pray.